0: That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
1: KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3
2: FM.
3: Special report, coronavirus update. Leaders in hard-hit New York are hopeful the worst of the COVID-19 outbreak is now behind them. But Governor Andrew Cuomo says three children in the state have died from a rare inflammatory syndrome that could be a possible complication of the coronavirus. The Department
4: of Health is doing everything that they can do. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the New York State Department of Health uh, is the first one that has been on this situation. And again, working with the CDC and whatever we find out, we'll not only share with the public but we'll also share with other states and other hospital systems. Uh, Because it is very possible that uh, this has been going on for several weeks.
3: The federal government is sending supplies of the first drug that appears to help speed the recovery of some coronavirus to critically ill patients in six states where it will be distributed by health departments. 140 cases of remdesivir are being shipped to Illinois, New Jersey and other states. I'm Ann Cates. U.S. regulators have approved a new type of coronavirus test that administration officials have touted as key to opening up the country. The Food and Drug Administration has announced emergency authorization for antigen tests developed by Cadell Corporation of San Diego. The test can rapidly detect fragments of virus proteins in samples collected from swabs inside the nasal cavity that according to the FDA in a statement. Currently, the only way to diagnose active COVID-19 is to test a patient's nasal swab for the genetic virus material. While considered highly accurate, the tests can take hours and require expensive specialized equipment. Quidel says its tests can produce results in 15 minutes. I'm Marlis Majerus. President Trump says the U.S. will buy $3 billion worth of dairy, meat, and produce from farmers starting early next week. The items will be sent to food lines and kitchens. I'm Ann Cates.
5: KCAA.
3: At Southern California Edison, we take pride in our role as an essential service provider, working 24-7 to ensure that our 15 million customers have power. Still, there will be outages so our crews can do the critical work necessary to protect public safety and reduce the risk of wildfires. If you experience an outage, we will make every effort to minimize the impact. Thank you for helping keep our communities safe. Learn more at sce.com.
6: It appears Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez's wedding has been put on hold. E News reports that the superstar and former baseball player have indefinitely postponed their planned summer wedding due to the global health crisis. A source says guests have been notified that the wedding will not be happening in late summer. The couple's wedding was reportedly set to take place in Italy. Queens Brian May on the road to recovery after hurting himself while gardening. The musician revealing to his fans that he managed to rip his glutus maximus to his shreds in a moment of overenthusiastic gardening and was rushed to the hospital. He says he won't be able to walk for a while without assistance, but adds he'll be all right. Disney Plus bringing back National Treasure. A new series based on the film is in the works for the streaming platform. Producer Jerry Bruckheimer has confirmed that a TV series featuring a younger cast being developed. A third movie is also being made. But Nicholas Cage, Diane. Kruger and Justin Bartha haven't yet been confirmed for the third installment. Oh, I feel so Like many other artists, Halsey also postponing her upcoming tour dates due to COVID-19 concerns. The singer taking to Instagram to reveal that she'll be rescheduling her upcoming 2020 Manic tour this summer. She also announced the summer 2021 dates with the same venue. It's the season finale of Saturday Night Live's At Home Edition, the show announcing the news on Twitter with a blooper reel from past at-home episodes, which each had more than 6 million views. That's entertainment, Jennifer Polsoni, NBC News Radio.
2: Here's the legend of Mountain Mike's Pizza. There's a tale the early settlers tell that while panning for gold just below San Francisco near the Redwoods, a unique discovery was made. Not just gold in the ground, but the golden smell of Mountain Mike's Pizza and their fresh homemade pepperonis. A taste the 49ers from all over California couldn't pass up. It was pizza from the mountaintop. Pizza the way it ought to be. Since 70-aught 8, Mountain Mike's has been dishing up pizza dough rolled fresh daily using real whole milk mozzarella with mouth watering delicious fresh ingredients including their legendary crisp curly pepperoni that makes their pizza sought after like the gold of the 1800s. Now, Mountain Mike's has come to Redlands, located at the Redlands Packing House District near Sprouts. Feed your family for the holidays at mountainmikespizza.com or 909-335-1133. That's 909-335-1133 and discover this pizza gold for yourself. Google Mountain Mike's Redlands.
7: Call 800 327 1660. That's 800 327 1660. Again, 800 327
8: 1660. Talk 102.3 FM, Riverside. KCAA, NBC Radio News.com.
1: The following program on KCAA is pre recorded. You've heard AM, you've heard FM. Now, tune in to DM Radio the world's longest-running show about data. Each week, host Eric Kavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Kavanaugh.
9: Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello, hello again. It's time for DM Radio. Yes, indeed, this is my annual DM Radio episode broadcasting from Orlando, Florida at the Sapphire Conference. Uh, My good buddy, Eve Mulkers, and I have been walking all around the conference floor the last three and a half days. Seems like about 30 days long, honestly, with all the activity going on, folks. And the topic for today... Fits right into the mix of what we've been seeing at the Sapphire Conference. Ready or not, narrow AI tackles the mundane. So, we're also going to be hearing from our new friend, Abhi Sharma, from a company called Avamo. We'll pick him up in the second segment. But first of all, let's talk a bit about the whole concept of artificial intelligence. So, AI, uh, it's funny, my business partner, Dr. Robin Bloor, and I have been working on a presentation for a keynote later on this month up uh, in the northern hinterland of the United States, the worldwide data ball conference I'll be speaking at. And uh, it's funny because Robin made a little snide comment. He goes AI is a meaningless term, but his point is that it gets used to describe any number of technologies that are all kind of grouped together. But really it's not meaningless at all. and the technologies that underpin or are grouped into that umbrella are very, very powerful. So in a nutshell, really, AI refers to a subset of machine learning. So machine learning algorithms are everywhere these days. They are literally all over the place. They're not new, but the thing is, these days, there is so much computational power, thanks to folks like Google and Amazon and Microsoft and SAP and all these big, big vendors. There's so much computational power now, and we're able to do so many really, really interesting things with machine learning. So I I often describe uh, traditional, if you can call it that, machine learning, as doing basically two kinds of things. It's very good at segmenting, and it's also very good at optimizing decision points. And I actually learned something really cool just the other day. So many of you have probably seen when you go online and you're trying to log into some service, like LinkedIn, for example, does this a lot, and you get that uh, CAPTCHA, they call it. And so you'll be looking at your screen, and it's a security mechanism. They're trying to make sure that you're a real person, at least theoretically. And you'll get uh, a pane with nine pictures, and you're asked to select which one of those pictures has a car in it. So you click, 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 etc. and if you get it right, they let you through. Or which one of these pictures has a street sign in it, and you go click, 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 and you go on through. I just learned this two nights ago at the Sapphire Conference. I was talking to a guy who is, part of the center of, of excellence, and they have a whole group of data scientists they work with, do you know what you're actually doing there? You are feeding into a deep learning module for autonomous cars. Quite literally, you are helping train the model so that autonomous cars will be able to detect what a sign looks like, what a street sign looks like, or what an automobile looks like. So you think about it with things like deep learning It's very, very complicated. There are all sorts of different ways that you can set up deep learning modules. There are specific things that you have them do. But by and large, what they're trying to accomplish, and the most common, by the way, is natural language processing. So that's something that Avi's going to talk about in his segment from Avamo. They're doing some really cool stuff with NLP, as it's called. If you hear someone say NLP, they're probably talking about natural language processing. So when you talk to Siri or Alexa or any of these different devices, these AI assistants, as they're called, or assistants, that's natural language processing, and it's getting better and better. It's been around for a long time. We've been doing NLP for probably 20 years now, uh, but these days, again, thanks to all the innovation by the big companies and all the folks who are working on this stuff, it's getting better and better. So the topic for today, we're going to talk about how AI is really taking away a lot of these tedious tasks And that's good news, folks, I can tell you. There is a whole narrative, as they call it, in the world today about how AI is going to take away jobs. In a sense, that's true. That's kind of true. Really what's going to happen is it's going to help people do their jobs. It's going to help us with all the really tedious, boring, mundane tasks that nobody likes to do anyway. By and large, what AI is going to do is tackle the mundane and let you work on the fun and interesting stuff. And with that, let me bring in my first guest. Who's actually here with me in Orlando? We just crossed paths on the walkway to the conference center moments ago. Eve Mulkers, who uh, came up with something absolutely brilliant called Seven W Data. So if you're on Twitter and you come across Seven W Data, this is the guy. Eve Mulkers, welcome to DM Radio.
10: Hi, uh, Eric. Nice to be on the show. And yeah, we bumped into each other. So uh, yeah, great, uh, great to be here. And. Indeed, like you say, uh, a hot topic, artificial intelligence, what you you see uh, all over the place. And I think you already explained it very wide, what it is all about. So uh, to that point, I I can't uh, add that much.
9: Yeah, so you're out there. You're a real-world consultant in addition to being uh, an influencer and a thought leader and an analyst in the industry. You've actually gone out and developed solutions for organizations. And I think you've seen what I've seen, that AI is still – It's pretty esoteric. There are not too many people who have cracked that nut just yet, but it's coming. And I guess I'd ask you for your real-world experience out there. What can you tell us? Like, what are some excellent uses of AI? Or for folks who think they want to get into it, what advice can you give them about how to get started and what to do with artificial intelligence?
10: Well, with the artificial intelligence, you you mentioned one of the use cases uh, where it's already pretty, pretty good at. And that's the nlp section the, the the natural language processing what it can do uh, there was the hard time of really understanding the language as such i mean we're all speaking english but we, we use different words for the same kind of thing and that's the complexity what you have in in making any kind of algorithm understanding that the other part is it's like you know, you mentioned it as well it's the image recognition where we have a good uh, application of artificial intelligence Here on the floor, I saw another thing that is coming up that's RPA, that's the robotic process automation part. And there they're using artificial intelligence, not just to mimic an interface, for example, uh, where you say, okay, we have the object model of the interface, and then you can say, okay, this is the text field, click the text field. Now they're looking at at the image of the interface, of the user interface, to understand what is on, on the screen and kind of like we are eyeballing an interface or a computer screen and we can understand, okay, this must be a, an input area for entering for, uh, some some information. And they're uh, able to do that with artificial intelligence, bringing that intelligence into their, what traditionally is kind of rule-based engine uh, to understand what, what you see. Um, and, and the clustering and the segmenting, that's, that's another part of what you touched on, that's the machine learning part. And there comes as well more the, well, artificial intelligence uh, in place. And like you said, uh, what what about I see is um, people, they talk about and they say, we're doing artificial intelligence because it feels like, hey, it's sexy. We need to tell that if we say our product is AI based, uh, it will sell better. Uh, but we still see too much that it is a pure rule based engine that that the.
0: Ninety-one percent of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
10: Decision, yes, but but not uh, the algorithms where you say you touch deep learning, where the algorithms can teach themselves uh, to become smarter and build a better understanding of of the activities what they are doing. So that's that's what I see is is happening and uh an important part, uh part in, in the complete artificial intelligence well the stuff we've been seeing last 25 years 30 years in, in data management that's still uh, data quality what is a, what is an issue so people really like to be happy and say okay we do ai but forget that the basics and the foundations still need to be put in place as well so that's a, a focus part um, that they need to work upon and there again the advantages In data quality, we get the support of artificial intelligence because if you as a human need to go to the tedious task task of cleaning up your data and saying, okay, these are duplicates, this is incorrect, incomplete, whatever, we now have the artificial intelligence engine that can look at that data and say, okay, it should be like this, and it can do it at scale and at a much higher speed that we are able to do as a human.
9: Yeah, it's amazing the the different applications of these technologies, and I'm glad you brought up The data quality too, because you know here we are again with the mundane, right? Anyone who has ever been tasked to do a big data quality project knows, oh my goodness, it is incredibly tedious. And what's the old joke in the industry? It used to be the case that, uh, and I think it's changing every day, but it used to be the case that most executives thought their data was just fine. And so what they would do is uh, the consultants working with them is they'd say, oh, really your data is good? We'll take a look at it real quick. (laughs) <laughs> like bring up some spreadsheet <laughs> and like in seconds, in like twenty-five rows of data, he's like, "Oh no, we have first names in the address fields and phone numbers in the first name fields. Oh, this is hideous." And to do that manually, oh, just forget about it, right? So AI can be a exactly. wonderfully powerful tool for working on data quality, right? Eve?
10: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think the most important—you touched on it—is as well. Now, because AI can do it at much larger scale and much faster as well, you can sit together and work on your data quality issues and right away uh, show what are the issues. Back in the day, we did that with data profiling, is finding the patterns and, and running SQL scripts to identify what are the missing parts. Is it incomplete? What is the length? The typical statisticals, what you run over, how does your data look like? But what with, uh, with, well, with machine learning, that goes so much faster that you really can, yeah, you look at it and, and you say, okay, this is right, this is, this is wrong, whatever. And at the same time, you could be training your model to, to optimize that. So that's, that's where I see, okay, finally, we, we get the support in, in, in two ways. Uh, AI is helping us in cleaning out the data quality so we get good quality data uh, to do better AI. So that's, that's a nice thing uh, to see how it all uh, ties together.
9: Yeah, and you really, you're hinting at something pretty powerful right there, which is that virtuous circle, right? So if you get your implementation right, if you do things properly, then over time you're going to be incrementally improving the quality of your data or the quality of your solution because these algorithms can learn over time, right? And so that's one of the coolest things about AI is that it really can track you and better understand you with every interaction that you have with the system, right,
10: Eve? Yeah, and I think that, that's where the, the fear for the people comes uh, against AI as well, that there is something out there where we don't really have the hand upon, and, and we see it can become smarter in a certain way. So that's kind of where we always thought is the, the the cognitive uh, capabilities of a human, and we see there is something else out there that is mimicking uh, this this kind of behavior. So I do understand that for a lot of people, uh, this, this can be uh, definitely frightening. And yes, we, a lot of discussions are going on about the ethics on how far do we the, that these uh, models become intelligent uh, to do these kind of tedious tasks, as, as, as you are saying. But I reflect back to the Industrial Revolution where, where Ford invented uh, what is the the, the band, uh, the, the automated uh, production. Uh, and people were afraid as well that, that uh, by uh, that, that was one part and they were afraid as well that the horses and the chariots uh, now they went away whatever but the the automobiles came in, into the place so it's always a kind of uh, change of mentality so a lot of, of change where we need to go through to build that trust and, and, and show people what is in, in fact the added value of really doing uh, these kind of things I mean I've I've come from the days where I'm kind of the lazy guy and say, let's, let's try to automate things and, and always looking at that part. And I think AI is exactly that part. And don't be afraid of giving that over to something else that, that is better uh, at doing that for you so you can spend your time on more value-added uh, uh, tasks. <laughs> That's right. Or playing golf somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I recently heard as well that that these guys with the, the autonomous uh, technologies and the AI, they there was kind of vision that by twenty twenty five we should we will we'll be working only two days a week, whatever, thanks to AI. So I thought, okay, I'm <laughs> looking forward.
9: <laughs> yeah, that's you know there are all kinds of. Benefits to all of this, and it's not really all that scary. A lot of people think it's scary. It's not the red-eyed robot, you know. And kind of to your point, Eve. uh, Mm -hmm. I listened to the keynote this morning here at Sapphire, and Sandra Bullock was fantastic. The the actress, an amazing actress. She was joking about how things change and how the industry of filmmaking is pretty archaic in many ways in terms of how they do things. But she said that it's going to change. It's going to adapt. It's going to evolved like anything else and what did she say oh yeah well when the phone was invented everybody panicked they said oh no no more smoke signals (laughs) i had to laugh at that one (laughs) but she made a good point that ai really is everywhere and you just have to know how to apply it and i think that's where folks like yourself come into play to work with companies to help them understand where are the useful areas that you can apply this technology right yeah,
10: definitely. I think, well, I think in a lot of places it will be applied. Maybe not every, everywhere, whatever, but we, we had some discussions on, discussions on that. We had Sapphire as well. We had operational data and the, uh, the experience data and how is that coming together. And that's where you see, okay, the, the lower level of the operational part, that will be treated by AI. And then the end end part of the experience, that will be still human because there is something more empathical which is pretty hard for the time being. I never know if we will be able to put empathy in, into a machine learning algorithm whatever uh, i think we better not talk about it but because people really go berserk on, on this <laughs> uh but then then you see okay you, you just have these automated systems that will help you when uh and, and you do the end uh closing whatever so this will be a place for the humans to uh to have fun and and interact whatever. Uh, but I'm looking forward to definitely the AI and, and all the automation that will support us in, in, in a lot of things.
9: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, and I don't think that uh, empathy is something we're going to see embedded into machines anytime soon. I mean, just to be candid about things, right? And I think that's okay because empathy is—it's uh, not just a human concept; it's not just a human construct. I think animals have empathy too. You know, the more that we see footage of interesting behavior of animals now that we have so many cameras everywhere and so much footage of what's going on, there are, if you just go on YouTube and search for fun animal videos you're going to see where I've seen some things where dogs take care of like geese and things like that and like little animals help each other out there in the real world. So that's fine, that's for the animals to worry about, but the machines can tackle like we say <laughs> for the topic of today machines can tackle the mundane. So folks, we're going to take a quick break here, but do not touch that dial. We'll be right back. You're listening to DM Radio. If your
5: business depends on web and mobile applications to connect with customers and drive transactions, then your success or failure as a company hinges on your ability to continuously deliver a flawless digital experience. It's no surprise then that testing is fast becoming the foundation of the agile development process and nobody does testing better than Sauce Labs. Sauce Labs ensures the world's leading apps and websites work flawlessly on every browser, OS, and device. Its award-winning continuous testing cloud provides development and quality teams with instant access to the test coverage, scalability, and analytics they need to rapidly deliver a flawless digital experience. To learn more about Sauce Labs and the power of continuous testing, visit www.saucelabs.com. Want to be a guest on Insight Analysis? Send us an email to info at insightanalysis.com. Inside Analysis is the only radio show focused on the information economy. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need.
0: Won't you stop your crying? I know that you're trying. Everything's gonna be okay.
6: Alexa, play Maren Morris. Okay. Oh girl, won't you stop your crying? I know that you're
0: trying. Everything's
4: Get unlimited access to
11: over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music App today.
12: Here is today's top auto tech story. I'm Nick Miles. Looking to compete with Chinese rivals, Toyota and Panasonic are set to launch a joint venture next year to produce batteries for electric vehicles. The business could help Toyota achieve an annual sales target of around 1 million zero emission battery EVs by 2030. Car gurus recently published results of a survey of American adult consumers regarding their interest in electric vehicles. 15% said they were probably going to own one for more cool car tech visit testmiles.com
1: hop into the all-new greater than ever corolla now with a redesigned sporty exterior the toyota safety sense 2.0 comes standard with advanced tech safety features bringing peace of mind to every drive go to toyota.com testmiles for details You're listening to Global American Broadcasting, the GAB Radio Network. For more info on our programs and services, including technical operations and syndication, please visit
8: gabradionetwork.com. One of the biggest lessons in my life was one that came at the expense of a co-worker. It certainly wasn't my fault. It was this guy's, but it reiterates an old adage that we all know next from behind the arc here in Dane's life with amazon music a voice is all you need
10: yeah you've been acting so conspicuous you flip it on me say i think so much you're moving different when we making love
6: alexa play who do you love okay
11: Get unlimited access to over 50 million songs.
8: Download the Amazon Music app today. Matt Johnson, the kid was talented. A fresh college graduate, he was a news anchor at my first radio job in New Orleans. But Matt showed up really late to a staff meeting there at WTIX one day. The boss was mad. Matt was embarrassed, so embarrassed that he offered to resign on the spot. So the boss, Dan Frazier, accepted. To Matt, it was symbolic, a real apology. To Dan, it was reality. So, say what you mean and mean what you say. I was reminded of that reading an older story, 2005 or so, about Eric James Torpy, an Oklahoma City man convicted of robbery with intent to kill. At his sentencing, the presiding judge gave Torpy 30 years. Torpy didn't like it because he loves Larry Bird. This is what he said, Look, you might as well just give me three more and give me a number I like. The judge obliged. Torpy was happy. Years later, in 2011, Torpy was asked by a reporter following up on the story if he regretted it. Now that I have to do the time, yes, I do. I kind of wish that I had 30 instead of 33. I've wisened up. Three years matters. Torpy will get out in 2033. So say what you mean, mean what you say. When you are asking for something, ask for what you want, because you'll probably get it. This is Dan's Life.
1: welcome back to dm radio here's your host eric cavanaugh
9: all right folks welcome back here once again to dm radio we're talking all about fun exciting stuff in the world of artificial intelligence we just heard from my good buddy Eve Mulkers of 7 W Data, and I'm very excited about our next guest we'll be hearing from Avi Sharma of a company called Avamo so Avi welcome to DM Radio and tell us a bit about Avamo what you folks are doing with AI
11: awesome hey thank you so much for having us uh, on the show here it's very exciting stuff um so yeah Avamo is is a Silicon Valley you know deep learning company we work with, uh, as we mentioned earlier, NLP, Natural Language Processing Technology, uh, and, and essentially we're focusing on conversational AI, right, and, and in the inter- enterprise space. So basically trying to streamline how companies communicate between customers, suppliers, and, and partners. So the best way to kind of think about what we do is that it's, it's an enterprise version of, of Siri, Alexa, or Google Assistant, right? Uh, and, and so when customers or suppliers call in, We're trying to make sure that that conversation is as
9: seamless as possible using artificial intelligence. That's very, very cool stuff. So tell us a bit about what the applications are.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
9: On what you're doing and how you're changing the world of work. Yeah, great. Now, so, so we have about uh, you know more than a
11: hundred different enterprise customers um, across a variety of different use cases, right? So, this is retail, service desk. Um, we're talking companies like Stanley Black and Decker, AB InBev, UC Health uh, in the healthcare sector, uh, Pet Boys, basically large retailers and, and large insurance companies in, in North America, Asia, and in Europe. And and the way that we're really thinking about this is we have customers, we have suppliers coming in and talking to contact centers or service desk uh, endpoints and they wanna get something done. Um, If it's a complex thing, of course there's a human being that's there at the other end to kind of handle that interaction. But if it's the mundane stuff, like I wanna reset my password or how long is, is this product under warranty? How many vacation days do I have, right? these kinds of really mundane tasks, we think that it's better to have a, a piece of automation in the mix here to handle that so that the, the customer service agent on the other end can work on more complex things, right? Take, take that off their plate and, you know, customers or the users that are coming in and, and asking these questions, they can get in and out as quickly as possible. So that's kind of a game that, that, that we're playing in and that's the space that we're working in.
9: And you know, I have to say, first of all, thank you for doing some good work in that space, because that is (laughs) such a wonderful use case for artificial intelligence, because let's face it, those kinds of tasks will drive the customer service person bonkers, right? You just, if you've ever seen seen the show, and folks, you haven't seen this, look it up on Netflix, uh, The IT Crowd, it's a British sitcom, (laughs) where they joke about Information technology, and the one guys, the two guys in the basement, they're the IT guys, and the one guy always says the same thing when anyone puts in a service call about IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> 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 and to, your, your point, and,
11: to your point, you know, seventy to eighty percent of the calls that are coming into contact centers are extremely mundane, right? And they could be automated. These are things like, when does my policy expire? When is the next payment on my policy? And in, in let's say an average customer service call is about six minutes, right? You're calling in. This is after you've actually gone through all the hassle of connecting with a real person, which, t- which can take up to 20, 25 minutes, right? Once you're connecting with a person, six-minute call, 75% of that time is the actual customer service agent looking up information and doing research on okay, how do I answer this question? And the actual interaction between the customer and you know and and the agent is only about twenty five percent of that time. So there's a there's a lot of space here to to play with and a lot of things that we can do to improve this experience. And intuitively, right, this happens through this automation effort.
9: Yeah, that's really good stuff. That's us a bit about how it actually works, like what actually goes into the mix. How how do the bots get their job done. Tell us about that. Sure, so, so really the good way to think about this is the distinction
11: between AI and not AI, right, traditional software engineering is that there was a programmer that would sit down and they have a rule-based approach, as you as mentioned earlier in the program, a rule-based approach to coming up with uh, you know, a workflow. This is how you get done step A, step B, step C, and you're writing all that down. So that's regular software programming. Now with AI, you create a system, you create an algorithm that kind of learns, I want to get this thing done, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and then it learns how to do that task on its own, right? That's, that's the big thing with AI. And so the way we train our systems is we take real interactions between customers and suppliers and partners uh, and customer service agents, and, and we take hours and hours of these transcripts and automate that process by understanding what it takes to get you know a user from when they ask, "I want to reset my password," to actually resetting their password, right? So we're taking all of this interaction data, and we're and we're training all our machine learning, deep learning models underneath to carry out this conversation on their own. Now that's one piece of it, right? When you're actually doing the, the the automation of the conversation, but then you also have to hook in into all of these backend systems, make sure that you can actually reset the password. You have to be able to authenticate the person. So the the big difference between a customer service agent is doing this for you, they have to get all this information, they have to then plug that into some system, you know, figure out who you are, do the, do the actual task, reset your password, and then hand that back over to you. The big difference in, between that and what we do is that our conversational AI agents are doing the conversation but they're also the system that would do the scheduling. They're also the system that would do the reset. So it's, it's combining the software and, uh, and the conversation in this one kind of box. And, that, and that's, that's how we, you know, really address the issues that, that some of our clients
9: have. Yeah, that's good stuff, I have to say. And, you know, what's interesting here, and I've learned a good bit about what Eve already alluded to, right, robotic process <laughs> automation, that's a very bulky term. But it just basically refers to automating what are typically somewhat unwieldy business processes. But it's the combination of artificial intelligence with process design, really, that can allow companies to optimize, like chatbots, for example, to be able to handle exactly the kinds of things you're talking about. So the 80% of the calls that are just tedious and boring, I just want my account number, I just want this, I just want that. Well, the bot can learn those very, very quickly, and then the bot bangs out the simple stuff. And guess what? That leaves all the time and energy of the human being to tackle the really challenging problems, like that high-value customer whose product just broke and is PO'd and is about to churn. But you can save it because you had the system in place to give your person the time to do that job. Right?
11: Yeah, and that and that's really the key here. Right? Is we want to retain that human interaction for the, for the more complex things. People are calling in. Let's say you call in to you know, your phone company and you need to get something done. If it's a simple thing, like the odds are I want to get in and out. I don't want to have to wait for too long. I don't want to have to talk to a customer service agent, have them transfer me over to someone else, go through that whole rigmarole. I want to go in and I want to get something done quickly, right? I want to up the minutes on my plan. I want to buy a new phone, what have you. But if it's more complex things where there needs to be kind of an interaction, that's when you have the agents coming in and they, don't, they, they didn't have to go through all the, the, you know, the really mundane things. They're fresh. They're excited about helping out a customer and providing that human interaction. So really we're offloading on both ends, from the, from the customer side, this technology can now offload the waiting time and the frustration of trying to get something simple done. And then on the agent side, they don't have to deal with all these, all these mundane things. They can get to dealing with the complex things that keeps them motivated, that, that keeps them, you know, stimulated in these conversations and really retaining the, the empathy and retaining the, the human interaction that's, that's at the core of all this.
9: Yeah, you know, I, that's so cool that you just said that one word that came out of your mouth, motivate. Mm. So I, I talk a lot mm. about the power of AI. And then, Eve, if you want to jump in on this as well and even ask Avi uh, a question, we've got about six minutes before the next break. But uh, to me, one of the best values from artificial intelligence is what you just alluded to, Avi, and that is motivation. I call it morale. You have good mm. morale when you don't have to do tedious tasks. Right? So just talk about that morale factor. Sure. Yeah. And so we're, we're seeing that you know,
11: in terms of the agent's satisfaction, so now this is the customer service agent, the call center technician that's sitting on the other end, right? They're doing the same thing every single day across multiple different users. And so if you can take part of what they do that's super mundane and super repetitive and get rid of that they're able to better assist the rest of, you know, they're, they're able to work better and have a greater outcome for the rest of what they do with, with customers. Uh, these might be a more challenging use cases that they're interacting with, with users, but at the end of the day, you're taking away something that is repetitive. And so it makes them motivated. It makes them happier about the rest of their jobs. And we're seeing an increase in about 75% in terms of the, the satisfaction, not on the customer side, satisfaction on the agent side. And that's kind of an amazing outcome
9: for, for technologies like this. Yeah, and Eve, let's bring you back into that conversation too. Uh, I'm guessing you'll agree that a boost to morale is critical for this kind of thing, right, Eve?
10: Yeah, I think it's typical. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been in contact with with the contact centers as well, and that's that's a big issue. What they do at people stick on the job only three to six months uh, because it's so mundane and as well you have the aspect of, of, of customers being frustrated not being helped in the right way or not fast enough uh, or whatever and i can speak only out of uh, of, of personal experience as well where you connect with 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 a call center where yeah it takes a, a long time before you can get connected to people and you understand that they're trying to to scale the workforce as well trying to to juggle a bit uh one one agent over three or four clients at the same time uh, but it's not bringing the quality to the customer service. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it's, it's it's a good thing uh, where we where we are going. Uh, you brought up the question as well the, the 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 thing as well. How does the the AI then interact with the agent? So, I think the first part of the research and and the lookup and and the suggestion that that can be handled by by uh, artificial intelligence. But then, how do you pull in the agent if something more complex comes up? And, and connecting to that, but you told us already that there's in the more specific use cases uh, where
9: that would go. Yeah, um, Abi, maybe you can tackle um, a little bit more detail on what you guys are seeing out there, because again, there are so many different use cases. So when you go out to a client engagements and someone wants to start using your technology, um, number one, how long does it take to set up, and number two, what are some of the kinds of things that uh, that your folks engage with the customers about? Yeah, so there's really three pieces um, that we
11: focus on when we're interacting with a new client, right? Um, the first part is the data. Um, what kind of information do we have about the customer? What kind of information do we have about interactions that they're already handling in their contact centers that they may or may not be able to share with us? Um, and so so the first part is understanding the domain, understanding um, the client in a better way. The second part is how do we then improve the ability for us to how, where do we inject AI in that mix? I, it, it you know becomes a little bit of a consulting project here trying to understand how can we inject AI at the right places to either support the customer service agent or to then uh, you know support the actual conversation of resetting a password or of figuring out you know how many vacations do I have? Um, and in both those cases, we then work with the client. It takes about six to eight weeks to put together, uh, you know, a, a full use case from start to finish for Avamo, um, and then we go live with, with something like this. We, we put it in, into production. We test it out. We have real users interacting with, with, our, with our product, um, and this is where really the cool stuff happens where you're actually, you know, the assistant is learning over time with additional feedback from both the agent and also from the users that are interacting with it. Uh, And so there's there's these three pieces, right? Understanding the data, understanding the actual conversation, and then improving the interaction over time. That goes into uh, uh, an engagement with a a client for us.
9: Yeah, that's great. That's all good information. Yeah, so this is, I mean, again, to me, AI is such a powerful technology because, again, it's going to be tackling the mundane. Yes, there are some really interesting deep learning modules out there, Again that that goes back into natural excuse me, natural language processing, obviously. these are complex problems. you know there's uh, Boston, is it Boston uh, robotics? I'm trying to think which one is Boston of those Dynamics yeah. Boston Dynam- yeah, which you know I saw a pretty funny show about that, but uh, that is some crazy stuff there's no doubt about it. I always tell people, give a robot a gun, it might just shoot you, (laughs) so we may not want to give robots guns. but that's not what we're talking about, that's not the application of AI that we're talking about in this show, and it's everywhere, folks, I'm telling you, we've got another break coming up right now, hey, if you want to be on the show, send me an email, info at dmradio.biz, we'll try to get right back to you, and we'll see you in just a couple seconds, don't touch that dial, you're listening to DM Radio.
12: At Indeed, we believe
1: a resume is a great way to see an overview of a candidate. But you're not hiring a resume,
9: you're
11: hiring a person. That's why Indeed offers tools that help bridge the gap between a candidate and the
1: resume. Like skill tests, which let you actually see a candidate's abilities in action to make sure they're a
4: good fit for the job. See beyond the resume with Indeed. Experience Indeed for yourself today and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting at indeed.com promo. Terms and conditions apply.
11: With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need.
1: Yeah, you've
10: been acting so conspicuous. You flip it on me, say I think so much. You're moving different when we're making love.
6: Alexa, play Who Do You Love? Okay.
11: Get unlimited access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.
5: If your business depends on web and mobile applications to connect with customers and drive transactions, then your success or failure as a company hinges on your ability to continuously deliver a flawless digital experience. It's no surprise then that testing is fast becoming the foundation of the agile development process and nobody does testing better than Sauce Labs. Sauce Labs ensures the world's leading apps and websites work flawlessly on every browser, OS and device. Its award-winning Continuous Testing Cloud provides development and quality teams with instant access to the test coverage, scalability, and analytics they need to rapidly deliver a flawless digital experience. To learn more about Sauce Labs and the power of continuous testing, visit www.saucelabs.com. Want to be a guest on Inside Analysis? Send us an email to info at Inside Analysis is the only radio show focused on the information economy.
4: Probiotic
9: fermented turmeric, probiotic fermented beets, probiotic fermented
11: greens, Introducing Quantum Nutrition Lab's Probiotic Fermented Nutrition, scientifically
9: formulated to deliver organic, full-spectrum, fermented ingredients for maximum digestion and absorption. Even those with poor digestion can enjoy the full benefits of these fermented nutritional powerhouses. Buy three or more of any combination
1: and get 35% off. Call 888-588-7578. 888-588-7578 or
2: visit us online at qnlabs.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD, host of Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. Healthline is
1: distributed nationally by the Gab Radio Network.
4: This is Dr. Mitch Gibson from The Mitch and Kathy Show. Have you ever wondered why you can't talk to people about certain things. Every day we go through life holding back on what we really want to talk about. Yes, there's a lot of talk shows that give you a chance to air your opinions about politics, race relations, and a host of other topics that you're supposed to be thinking about. Well, what about those other areas that you hold back on, such as that ghost you saw when you were a kid, those times when you travel outside your body, That UFO you can't talk about, that you saw in your backyard. Those strange people that appear and disappear around you, and you know you're not crazy. On The Mitch and Kathy Show, we give you a chance to talk about stuff like that, things that you hide from the world. In this way, we consider ourselves a guilty pleasure.
1: Visit TheMitchAndKathyShow.com for more information, or go to GabRadioNetwork.com. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh.
9: All right, folks, welcome back here to DM Radio once again. We have our very own David Boone on the call today, our publisher. He's been to a couple of AI conferences recently, and you've been educating yourself on the AI market. So, David, I think you had a correction for uh, for Avi.
10: Yes, yeah, obviously. So we wanted to find out how are you are accelerating you know, the, the deep learning development of, of your of your AI model for clients, new clients and clients that you have currently? Yeah,
11: that's a great question. I, and and this is a problem that, that a lot of different companies in this in this space, you know, struggle with and, and we've tackled it in a, in an interesting way. So this is known as the cold start problem in, in artificial intelligence industry, right? So Basically, you have a new client, for example, in healthcare coming in, uh, and they want to and they want to work to automate some part of their, their business workflow. Um, and you you have to start from scratch. If you have to understand their domain, you have to understand the terminology that someone in the healthcare industry might use, so on and so forth. And so the way we've gone around this issue is that we actually build vertical domain models, vertical machine learning models in different industries, right? So healthcare, finance, insurance. And so when you come in. When a a patient comes in and says, I need to see my dermatologist, we understand that when you say dermatologist, that you're looking for a provider, a doctor in the specialty of dermatology, and and we we have this underlying knowledge graph of relationships, of hierarchies, of nested concepts, Uh, again, that that makes this vertical model, and, and this exists across different Industries, And so when, when we have a new client come in, and next, you know, another healthcare client, for example, we don't have to start from the beginning, right? We start from at a, a, it's from zero to ten. We start at step seven. And so that's a great kind of benefit for, for some of our
9: clients. Cool. And I think you had
10: a Thank question you. for Eve, too, right? Yes, Eve. So it, it, my question is, you know, what are some of the challenges that, that you know, to make AI a successful adoption for enterprises? Yeah, we, we tackled enough of these uh, issues already in the beginning. It's, it's data quality is, a, is an important part for that, but as well as uh, the typical uh, uh, project is, is finding the real business use case to do the AI and not just doing AI because everybody is doing it. But if you can find that 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 part of the business where you can use AI to optimize or uh, to improve a kind of business process and show the return uh, on investment for implementing the AI, then you can get that, that project landed and you can get the trust and, and, and convince people uh, why they should do AI. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And, and if I can add some
11: color to, to what Eve just said, right? I mean, the, the, I mean he hit the nail on the head. The big issue here is there's sometimes ambiguity in what a company wants to get done with this buzzword AI, right? Identifying the specific use cases And then also constraining that so that it's not open-ended and and the model won't run, you know, learn on its own and and have a runaway effect. It's funny. I mean, I think people have probably heard about this by now. But there was a there was a uh, assistant, a virtual assistant that was deployed on Twitter called uh, Tay from Microsoft. And what they did is they allowed online learning from real user feedback. And so people would talk to this assistant, and it would then learn. What the appropriate social constructs are, and what the appropriate things to say in conversations are, and it ended up be, becoming very racist and very, you know, kind of antagonistic in in, in, the, con- in the kinds of things that you would want to have in a, in a normal human conversation. And so, uh, the key again is to constrain the use case, constrain the amount of learning, uh, really have that kind of control. And so that's one of, that's a big barrier for enterprises, but also something that we can definitely work towards um, to improve adoption.
9: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I I remember Tay, and I remember what a disaster that was, but it's a lesson, right? So I guess I'll throw this back Mm. over to Eve. It's a good lesson to help us understand we need to be careful about implementing these technologies. You know, to your point a moment ago, Avi, you don't want to let it just kind of run askance and go off on a tangent because it can do that. So these, these algorithms, especially the AI assistants, are almost kind of like uh, young children with a lot more energy and computational power behind them. You have to be careful about how you raise them and, and nurture them and shepherd them. And that takes time. It takes time. It takes effort. And kind of back to your point, even I'll throw this over to you. It takes a lot of consideration and careful planning and management to get that right. Righty? Yeah, I think you
10: touched that point. It's kind of okay. You build the model, but then you keep on. Um, uh, you need to keep on evaluating the model and the outcomes out of that, uh, because I think in the AI, it's, it's different as well because your input uh, keeps on changing as well. And that's why you sometimes need to uh, adapt the, the, the AI to get the output, what you had in mind. Uh, and I think, yeah, like you said, you have uh, some models that that run away in, in that aspect. So it's kind of new learning mechanism where we have that close group of, of okay, we built something, it, the output is something, but we need to see what what is that and can we uh, feedback that, that knowledge that the model gains, uh, can we put that back in and then adapt it? So that's a, it's a different approach than we did with the typical software engineering where back in the days you did the analysis, blah, 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 and then you did the implementation and the development and then the next step and then it kept on running for the next... 25 years, uh, so so I think that's that's a learning curve as well uh, on how to 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 work with uh, with this new way of of building outputs.
9: Yeah, and you know, I'll throw this one back over to uh, to Abby. I always try to ask questions that are going to fuel my understanding. Obviously, this is what we do for a living, and I've asked quite a few AI experts. Can an AI can an algorithm unlearn something? And the typical answer is no, but you can't retrain it, right? So once you have one of these assistants up and running, you can't unlearn something, so you kind of have to either shut it down, restart it, or retrain it somehow, some way. And that's another important lesson, but what do you think about that, Abby? Yeah,
11: I mean that's a, that's a really interesting kind of line of thinking, right? So it's 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 actually the best way to answer this is to think about how humans do it, right? If I teach you that 2 plus 2 is 4, you can't really unlearn that, right? And and that's that's basically the same way that that an uh, you know, an AI algorithm works is that the model is learning over time certain associations, certain patterns, and you can't undo that learning, but w- what you can do is to is to show it new examples that kind of change the trajectory of learning over time Uh, but you're also able to you know because it is it is a model you can retrain the model using better examples in the future and so companies like like our like our own Avamo, what we've done is over the years we've learned what works and what doesn't work and so we're able to really fine tune this process of learning and we work with clients to to prevent that that runaway learning over time to to really constrain the use case and then also, you know, when, you, when, you, when the model learns something that it, it may not want to uh, have being said to, to end users, let, let's say it learns, um, you know, that, that a certain association was made and maybe it's going to try to deploy that um, in, a, in a user interaction, there's a human intervention in, in the middle, right? There's a human in the loop. And so human in the loop training is, is really crucial uh To prevent this kind of runaway effect and also to help unlearn and relearn certain things that we want to reinforce in our in our assistance
10: so i thank you Avi. so you my question was are there going to be certain biases or is there going to be some kind of mm-hmm.
4: uh,
10: governing body to make sure that certain biases won't be put into an AI platform at some point, some kind of rules or regulation
11: Yeah, I mean this this gets into a whole interesting area about AI ethics, right? And and it's it's an interesting it's it's an interesting space that's developing. I mean, there's people that, that think that in the future, um, as you have more and more conscious AIs, it's going to be important to, to talk about AI rights. You know, it's going to be important to talk about uh, how we're treating these these AI agents. And so, I mean, it's it's a really rapidly evolving space, and I think we it's It's hard to really develop an intuition about what's going to happen. I think we're going to see more regulation in this space we're going to see more and more you know government intervention in terms of how these systems are built uh, you know and in biases that are built into models. This is up to the developer this is up to the programmers and this is up to the people developing these algorithms to realize that we may we may have the best intentions as we're building these models but Underlying the data that we're pulling, the data might be biased, right? So really being cognizant about what data we feed into our models, how we're building these models, it, it, it's a, it's a team effort, and, and and you know it takes a village to raise a child, it takes it takes a whole world to raise this kind of intelligence, and so um, it's going to be interesting to
9: see how this space evolves um, going forward. Wow, that was a fantastic line right there, and uh, I'm glad for the power. <laughs> Of human computational capabilities because my phone in the hotel just died and I dial back in on my cell phone. <laughs> but good job <laughs> picking up there. And that
10: really—that
9: was a fantastic quote right there, Abby. I'm glad we got you on this show because wow, what a great way to put it. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes the whole world to raise this kind of intelligence. And I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that. I'll give the closing words uh, to Eve. Any closing thoughts, Eve, about AI and how to leverage this technology responsibly?
10: Well, uh, the discussion was in the beginning as well. AI is around uh, since a whole uh, long time already. But now, thanks to uh, the computational power and, and the storage capacity what we have, and uh, all of this is becoming uh, less and less expensive. Uh, this is where the, the turning point uh, became the last few months or the last few years, and uh, for me, the, the future is is looking bright. Uh, apart from all the matrix and 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 Skynet and whatever uh, things we see on TV, uh, I think <laughs> we we can be we we can be pretty pretty uh, safe on that. So for me, the the future is is looking bright in this respect, uh, and it's going faster and faster faster than ever before.
9: I love it. Well, folks, we've been talking to Eve Mulkers of 7W Data and Avi Sharma of Avamo. Look those folks up. Very cool stuff. A-V-A-A-M-O dot A-I. That wraps up another show for us. We'll talk to you next week, folks. You've been listening to DM Radio.
4: Why are you
2: listening to this radio station? Why? When you can host your own radio show. You're listening to KCAA. KCAA. <laughs>
12: 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.